Hi, this is your coach Joe Lucas and welcome to my Practice Power Podcast. Hey, I hope you had a great week uh, this week and uh, sorry for the little raspy voice I have. I just let it go off an airplane uh, several hours ago after getting back from Dallas, Texas, uh, where we spent two days uh, in a very uh, dynamic team mastery training event. And that's what I want to talk to you about all about today are some of the, the distinctions that I learned, some of the aha moments that I had uh, going through uh, leading uh, these 10 different teams on a team construction process. So, you know, when you do teams, first off, let me say this. There's no one team model. So, you know, there's not, here's the blueprint for every team. Uh, teams are dynamic, like families. Uh, there's all different variations, ways to do things. So, um, you know, there's not the, here's the template that fits everybody. So that's the first thing I want to say is I think, and for a lot of you who are on teams, and let's face it, uh, if you're a solo advisor and you share a part-time sales assistant, you have a team. Uh, you can have uh, three uh, very experienced financial advisors, uh, the, the stakeholders, uh, service people, junior advisors, interns, and you can have a 10 or 12-person team. The, 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 the uh, premise still remains the same. You know, there are still some universal laws, even though there's differentials, of what clearly is important. So today, what I want to talk to you all about uh, are what I call the deadly sins of teams. So one of the things that uh, we did initially uh, to kind of get everything going was uh, benchmarking. Now, I've developed uh, about 18 different benchmarks uh, to put against teams and partnerships to see where they are uh, versus what I know to be best practices. And because we don't want to be here uh, all day today on this podcast, I've picked a couple out that I think are really the foundational pieces that uh, you need to have. And unfortunately, when we uh, went around the room and we had all the teams do this benchmarking, uh, and nobody passed. And, and what's interesting about this is these are teams that are not failing. Uh, they're, you know, they're profitable. They're growing. So these were not you know, uh, highly dysfunctional, highly disorganized entities, but yet they still didn't have some of the basics down. So let me share some of those with you uh, today. So you know, one of the questions I asked everybody was, does, does your team have a five-year strategic plan? And then I had some people raise their hands, and then I added, it's in writing. Oh, then everybody's hand went down, and nobody raised their hand. So, so think about this for a second. You're in business. I don't care if you work for a major wirehouse or you're an independent RA kind of doing your thing or anywhere in between. You know, you're in business, and you need to treat it like a business. So you need a five-year plan. Now, does, it, does this need to be a 70-page 70, 70 document? No, it does not. Uh, ours, our template is about three to five pages, and uh, we actually had them do it in, in session, at least a rough draft, uh, the outline of it, so they have something to work on. But nobody had it. So if you're in business, you need a five-year strategic plan. I mean, if you, can, can you push it out to 10 years? Yeah, if you're kind of wired to be that strategic, Absolutely go for it. No problem there. But you need to have in writing. Otherwise, as the leader, how can you articulate to the team the vision? Because remember, as CEO of your team, as leader of your team, one of, the, one of the primary duties and responsibilities of a leader is to articulate the vision of what we're looking to create so we can get buy-in from all members. If you don't have that strategic plan, you have no vision. You're just grinding it out day by day, week by week, month by month. The second thing you need is, you know, after the five-year, 
what are we going to accomplish in the next 12 months or calendar year or however we're going to track it. So the business plan. You know, interestingly enough, I said again, how many people have a business plan for their teams? A couple of hands raised up, and then I go to the same thing. Is it in writing? No, it's and one person said, oh, it's up here, right? And they point to their head, and, and I go, oh, that gray matter, right, where everything else gets jumbled in there. Again, not in writing. How do you go over it in a team meeting if you don't have it to go over, right? It's, it's, it's not even conceptualized properly in one's brain. So, again, if you're going to be in business and we're going to be entrepreneurs, and you have people that are depending on your leadership, your vision, right? You need to have that. So again, failed all the way across the, across the board. Then we kind of start. Then we kind of pivot a little bit. We talk about some other things, but then I get into uh, my, one of my favorite subjects in this entire industry: the principle of optimization, which basically states this: that when we have a client, uh, that we're going to provide as much service relationship, uh, you know, value is possible. So in our terms, that means we have all their assets. We do their insurances, their financial planning. Uh, we may have access to lending, whatever we do. But we, we, are, we are the one-stop shop. You know, we either do it in-house or we quarterback it externally, right, to, to some of our other business partners, but we have it. So I go again, ask the question of all 10 team members, right, and I ask, ask the question, what percentage of your book of business is optimized? And everybody there the, was between, I'd say, 225 households. I think we had somebody that was rolling right around 700 households. So, you know, again, pretty nice-sized businesses. And most people were well under 50%. In fact, several of them didn't even know. They never even thought about it that way. So, again not optimized. So what that says to me is we're not nearly as profitable as we can be. So how do these things happen if I've got smart people who are, are still successful, by the way, and not there because we're so busy trying to keep our head above water, keeping up with our tax task list, keeping up with the phone calls, doing all these things that we forget how to run a business. We forget about our, our success metrics or our KPIs, key performance indicators and that's a huge challenge especially with teams because you have again a lot of you know a lot of human beings to account for in this process and then the last thing i want to come up today again we have lots of benchmarking but this is one i want to leave you with today is the other thing i said is i want you to answer me this question and what i did was which was which is interesting by itself is i had each of the team leaders i'd walk up to the team leader with the mic i say Tell me why I should hire your team to be my financial advisor. And, you know, it's unfortunate the first couple have to go, right, because you're really put on the spot with that. And I got some vague, fluffy articulation of, you know, we're experienced and we're client service oriented and all these fluffy statements delivered poorly, by the way. Their body language is all over the place, right? And it, it just sucked. I can't say it any other way. So what we had them do is really come up with an articulation. And articulations or, or statement of preeminence, as we like to call them, have to be precise. So, you know, we have four professionals with a combined 125 years experience. You know, things like that that are really powerful and meaningful versus, well, we're experienced, right? That doesn't, that doesn't cut it. So, again, none of these, none of these teams had a clear 
statement of preeminence or to able to answer the question, why do business with us? Right? And not only that, but then once you create it, then the whole team has to sing the song the same way, right? And that's where you get into this process. So I just want to share this with you all before I kind of head off into my weekend here and hopefully let my voice recover because uh, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling doing my thing next week in the office. Is that, you know, again, if you're, if you're a soloist or a part-time person, you're, you have a team. If, if you're listening to me and obviously you have a little bit more of an expansive situation, right? Leadership is crucial. You know, if you don't lead your team, you don't really have a business, you have a job with some people around you. So it's a well-paying job, but it's not an enterprise. It's not situated properly. And a lot of times that's what's holding you back. You know, the only way to make more money is to work harder because you don't have the systemization in place, the psychology is not in place, the protocols are not in place, and you, in essence, out-effort it by working harder, or you just kind of give up and accept it and you just get frustrated. So just keep that in mind. I want you all to have a great 48 hours over the weekend, and I'll see you Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. Be well.